0: Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm joined by Chuki Chan. Chuki, welcome to the show. Hello, Aline. Hello. Please tell me I said your name correctly because I practiced, but I may not have done it. It's perfect.
1: Oh, good. i so good to hear. That. Well, the English version. The, um, definitely. It's completely different in
0: Cantonese, but fine. I that's bet it fine. is. <laughs> so the best that I can do with my very English, very American English accent. It's spelled for all that, so it's all good. <laughs> so Chuki, who are you?
1: Let's see. Well, nowadays I introduce myself as an Android developer with too many side
0: projects. Ah, I'm familiar <laughs> with that.
1: Yes, I, it's not even by day by night, I split my time between, uh, I'm a freelancer, so I write Android apps for startups, but I also spend a fair amount of time talking about Android, meaning giving talks about Android, going on podcasts about Android, <laughs> uh, blog about Android, and Go to conferences as well. So when I go to conferences, I also do this thing called sketch noting, Mm. which is essentially a visual way of taking notes, which people seem to really enjoy that. On top of that, I have an Android channel on YouTube, which interviews people about Android. And I have a newsletter about public speaking anyway, which is why I summarize that as too many side
0: projects. That is a lot of side projects. Um, And just to orient people a little bit, so technically speaking, we had Kate on the last episode and this is the other half of Technically Speaking. Um, So for those of you who listened to the last episode, you'll have a little bit of context and we might talk about that a little bit here, but um, just to kind of fill people in. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about side projects. (laughs) Right. (laughs) How... um, how do you find time to do all of the things you do? Ah, The
1: secret is I don't actually work full time.
0: Ah, <laughs> I think that's, that's
1: nice. yeah, that's one of the things that w- drove me to freelancing. I really felt like I wanted to spend more time doing other things. And by having, well, of course, you know, I'm lucky to find clients that allow me to spend half of my time essentially doing other things. Um, so, which is why I said uh, it's not even a day and night split. It's more like, oh, today I have, you know, we like my client does Scrum, right? So, oh, okay, we have these tasks on this sprint, so I have to do this. So I get them done and then eat lunch and then in the afternoon, oh, let me go edit my videos. Um, so that's a big part of it. It's just the way I structure my time. I don't work all the time. I, I, I mean, I it's kind of a give or take, right? Sometimes I give more time to my co- uh, consulting. Sometimes I give more time to my side projects. It really fluctuates depending on which conference is happening right now <laughs> and like which part of my client's kind of product cycle they are in.
0: So that's so cool. Um, before you started freelancing, did you have like a regular office type job where you worked full time or have you right. been a freelancer for a long time?
1: Well, I've been freelancing since 2011, so that's oh, nice. yeah, almost five years, um, which is half of the time of what well, I have worked in a corporate environment. I guess mm-hmm. uh, no, the math doesn't work. So like, yeah, <laughs> I work, I work for like corporate for like almost seven years. So it's five years. So it's still, I still spend more time in a more traditional setting where you know you go to work, you work, and you come home. Right. And I think at that point, I didn't really like spend that much time on side projects, but. The other side of it is also I feel like I am investing a lot of time in my side projects because as an independent, I felt like I need to establish myself more as an expert hmm. So I spend time writing about what I do. I spend time speaking about what I do versus when I have a more nine to five job is, well, I go to work and someone pays me <laughs> rather than I go meet clients and have to convince them that I know what I'm doing. So please hire me to do what you need me to do. Um, so it kind of goes hand
0: in hand. It absolutely is. Uh, everything you're saying is really resonating with me um, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, uh, like. Ultimately, you want people coming to you instead of like having to chase after people. And one way to do that is to be like, hey, um, I do these things. I'm visible. And then they find you.
1: Yeah. Visible is a very good word.
0: And and you have to spend time being visible. <laughs> <You> know, it's, <laughs> it's not just you are visible. Right. Yeah. I, um, this is very interesting because, um, my husband and his boss are working on a project, um, that kind of talks about a lot of these things about, uh, how to be a freelancer and how to like be able to live and be a freelancer, because it's kind of a terrifying thing to, (laughs) to not have a, a a job job. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's really interesting that that came up in this conversation because it's uh, it's definitely one thing that I'm working on is um, you know I kind of get older and I'm like oh let's let's be more visible and diversify things.
1: Yeah, I saw. Uh, I, I think well, when I first started freelancing, I do a lot of project based things. So basically, I work on a project for six months to maybe nine months. And then I will have to go hunt for another client. Um, These days, I am pretty much with one client, but not full time. So it's kind of the other way of doing it, which is much less stressful, because I don't have to go around looking for new clients. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a full time job, except I don't work full time, uh, which I I feel I I kind of hit the right balance right
0: there. So was it a conscious decision you made, like to I'm. I'm just gonna go independent and freelance. Or did it kind of happen? Did you fall into it?
1: It, it, I don't even know what happened to be honest. (laughs) I I basically I was at a startup, and then I was kind of not really know why I was there. Essentially, I mean, I knew why I joined the startup. Right, I joined the startup because I thought. In a smaller group, I will be able to have more influence over the product, which at the end, it was kind of a silly, wishful thinking on my side because I was hired as a software engineer because the team needs someone to code. Mm -hmm. So I didn't end up spending any time on the product. I was just coding and I was I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore I was like no I'm not a cold monkey I I I want more participation in Mm -hmm. where this company is going I mean there's only 10 people here why am I totally not a part of the decision making process uh so I just have to leave basically and at that point I was like then what do I do and I decided to give myself maybe six months to a year. I don't re- even remember what was the time frame to just be independent and see what happens. And my assumption is uh, nothing is going to happen. I will just bum around, <laughs> do some side projects and hope someone will hire me to do their work app and nothing happens but that was not true i mean the first three months i was working on my own project which is good because um i think it would drive me crazy if i'm just sitting around waiting for things to happen right um yeah and then i put out word to my friends that say hey you know i'm available for android consulting let me know if you or you or anyone you know is interested and then a few months later i got my first contract and then i did it and i was like hey this is pretty cool i like just um I like flipping the conversation essentially because when you're an employee, the assumption is you will stay with a company mm-hmm. versus when you're a contractor, the assumption is you will leave if this contract ends. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's nerve-wracking, right? If you have to constantly negotiate and make sure that everybody's happy. But I actually like that. I feel like there's a lot of inertia when you're in a corporate environment and things may not work as well as it should. And then because that's the way it is, you just don't think about it. Versus my contracts, uh, like I said, three months, six months, it be a year long. It ends. And when it ends, you have to discuss like how is this working do we are we doing a good job in terms of just working together like how's the compensation like everything is literally on the table and we will discuss everything before we sign a new contract well sometimes it's just like the old contract with a new date but still mm-hmm. like it gives you a window to reflect and say okay a year has passed like what happened do I sign or do I not sign um, so
0: I really like that so that's, that's got to be like a really empowering feeling, but I can imagine a lot of people listening to this and maybe this is also me projecting a little bit, like that sounds kind of terrifying too. It is.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah. I, I, I have to be completely honest. Part of the reason why I am quote enjoying this is so far, um, the Android market is pretty hot. So I do have a lot of alternatives, mm-hmm. right? So if my current contract doesn't work out, I know that I can go do other thing. And also I have been charging quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. so i am comfortable you can save taking a break and say okay this one doesn't work and I, I actually for me it's a lot more psychological than the money like i have money in the bank that i like, but when i first started trying to do freelancing i have enough savings for at least like a year or two i know that it's fine if that's if, even if nothing happens all i do is sit at home and watch cat videos
0: financially oh, that sounds i'm good. okay right I why mean, are you why are you working <laughs> i don't understand Well, like
1: like come to the next part right so <laughs> the, the next part is like even though i know that i could sit and watch cat videos all day long i've been brought up to be a useful citizen right mm-hmm. like I do not let myself sit around and watch cat videos. I mean, in fact, it's kind of weird, right? When I was not really with a client, I'm just working on my side project. I can spend my time anytime I want, right? So, I mean, one fine afternoon, I decided to go read a book, right? A Tuesday afternoon. And, you know, 15 minutes into it, I felt really guilty. Oh, no. Like, one should not be <laughs> reading a novel Tuesday afternoon. It's just not something that you do. And it's so stupid, right? This is, <laughs> like, I don't know why, but I feel that way. And sometimes, you know, like... I I mean I'm an engineer I try to be rational but sometimes feelings are just feelings like right. they come and they just hit you and and I cannot rationalize my way out of it <laughs> so like having something to do is super important just for my sanity not 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 necessary to pay the rent
0: so th- that's really interesting because um my husband and I have this discussion a lot where he's like you know, you need to decide what you want to do when you grow up. And I'm like, well, I like if someone would pay me to read books and sleep and maybe play Splatoon, I'd be in good shape. (laughs) Um, Right. But, you know, I think I could do that for like maybe two weeks and just kind of decompress. And then I would be climbing the walls. Right. No way. Yeah. The other thing
1: is kind of interesting that I discovered is that side projects are only fun when they are side projects. Oh. When you make them like a full-time thing, then it's not the same. Yep. <laughs> so without a main thing, you don't have side projects, essentially, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of odd. But uh, that's essentially how I look at it. I mean, I have, I have my main job, which is I write software for people. And then on the side, I do other things. Like, which if I'm running a YouTube channel as my full-time job, I'm pretty sure it would not be the same.
0: Right. Yeah. Feel, it would feel like work.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. So right now it's all fun and like I'm doing this because I, I really enjoy talking to people and I feel like other people also enjoy listening to me talking to other people, right? But if I want to turn that into, oh, this is me, I'm now a YouTuber and like, that's what I do, I, I think just psychologically it's very different.
0: Yeah. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. So do you contract with companies? It's like mainly San Francisco based or do you have, cause I know Denver's kind of the tech scene there is, um, growing quite a bit. Is it, you know, are, are is there a lot of opportunity, I guess, in the Denver Valley?
1: I actually moved here from the San Francisco Bay area, about two years ago. Okay. Uh, so like I said earlier, most of my clients are friends of friends. Uh, I I have now, fr- I now have friends in the Denver area, but before <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so there are no friends of friends uh, to feed me work. Uh, so I brought my clients over essentially, meaning that I'm still working for clients in the Bay Area. Okay.
0: Um, I grew up about four hours from Denver. So oh, hey. anytime someone's like Denver, I'm like, I've been there a lot. (laughs) Yeah, the mountains are beautiful. It's It's, so pretty. Yeah.
1: And uh, can I plug something? Absolutely. (laughs) Plug away. Yeah, I'm running an Android conference in July. So July 22nd and 29th in Denver. So if anybody wants to visit Denver in summer, well, and have something to share with the Android community, please come and give a talk. We have the uh, coffee papers open.
0: nice okay um and what's the name of the conference and i'll make sure to put it in the show notes it's called 360 and diff.
1: So, yeah, I'll send you a mm-hmm. link,
0: I guess, so that you can put it in the show notes.
1: Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, 360iDev is out there, too. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I'm partnering with John, which is why it, like, it's running under his brand.
0: Nice. Yeah, uh,
1: which is great because I know Android. I know developers. I don't know how to run a conference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't Meanwhile, either. Well, yeah, he's yeah.
1: mostly in the iOS community, so he doesn't really necessarily know who should be speaking what topic Mm -hmm. should we cover uh so i think it will work out pretty well and there's a third organizer as well and he's also um, pretty deep in the android community nice
0: yeah 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 people go to denver denver has a cool conference it's got the treasury it has a really cool natural history museum it has a zoo right next to the natural history museum like it's um i haven't been back in many many years like Yeah, early college, but uh, I need to go. Everything is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my plug. (laughs) Good, and it was good. It was smooth. So yeah. Um. So when we were talking, um. Well, we were emailing a little bit today, and you said that uh you you kind of thought you wanted to talk about uh having a topic around working within the status quo versus changing the system. Mm -hmm. Is that still something you'd like to do? Sure. Let's talk. Yeah. So what does that mean? Let's start really basic. Um, Well, I struggle a lot with, well, I mean, as
1: people probably notice by now, I'm a woman and I'm a developer and we are kind of the minority. And there is a lot of struggle in terms of just like, how do we make sure that we have a good time in the community, right? Mm -hmm. And there are two ways of approaching that, I feel like. One way is, well, we see what people who is currently having a good time in the system do and do like them or we change the system so that we don't have to change ourselves mm-hmm. right because we are completely valid human beings that our values and our way of doing things should be considered and we don't necessarily have to f- try to fit in because it's work to try to fit in Um and i struggle with that a lot i i I kind of opt for the, quote, easy way, which is working within the status quo, mostly because it's easier. I
0: I think that's how we're raised, mostly, right? Like, we're raised to fill a hole in a system and not disrupt that and not really change it, but just to kind of work within what's already established.
1: Yeah, and it just sounds really daunting and you have to be a revolutionary uh, to change the system. Um. So like, I mean, I don't think about such thing that much, which is why I want to talk about it on the podcast because I feel like, hey, you know, this is something that is important and I kind of want to give it some more thoughts. Um, so like when I say working within the center school, at least like in the tech context, I feel like, for example, a lot of the times, like, let's say like something really common, right? Like, oh, we should contribute to open source. Like Why? Right. Like, I feel like no one ever answered the why part. It's just like this general thing that oh, you know, if you want to like improve your career or something, you should take participate in like open source software.
0: So that's I think that's partly like visibility. Right. Cuz people are seeing your pull requests and they're seeing mm-hmm. your you know, your thoughtful discussion of things. Right. Um so it's that visibility thing we were talking about before, but Right. But the
1: the, the thing is, the thing that really gets me is that it takes a lot of time and effort to participate in open source, right? right? I mean, the sad part is like a lot of the conversations I've seen so far about people who are trying to get into the industry if they are, for example, retraining from another discipline or, you know, they left a little bit and they want to come back is, oh, yeah, you know, you should participate in open source, just do this and do that um, so that you have a chance of getting a job. And I just feel like it's so stupid. Like, why do I? Like, why do we want to force people to spend all this, like, time and effort
0: working for free?
1: Yeah, working for free as a stepping stone to get a job. Like, what is the point? Like, why? Why do we need to ask people to do that? I mean, I understand the desire to have some working code to demonstrate that Mm -hmm. you know you don't just put a keyword javascript in your resume where you actually knows javascript Uh, uh i understand that but like for me that just translates into doing a sample project and putting it somewhere that people can see versus oh you need to like learn how to do pull requests you need to participate in this community and like find projects that you can contribute to i just feel like all those things are I it doesn't make any sense for that to be a gate for mm-hmm. people who want to get a job. It's a big right? ask.
0: It's it's a big it's a big thing to ask people to do.
1: Right. Yeah. And like when you think about privilege, right? Who has time to do that? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you have to like and then the same thing with like interviewing, right? Like when you want to prepare for an interview, you have to study algorithms and do all these things which usually at the end you don't actually use on your job. So like like now, like the dilemma is like, do I teach people how to be better at technical interviews or do I try to change the system so that we don't conduct stupid technical interviews? Yeah. Right. So like there are many, many things that I see that I constantly get into this. Oh, wait, which what, what should I do? Right. So how do I change the interview system, right? I'm independent right now. I don't even interview. <laughs> I'm not on either side of the table. Well, I mean, in a way I am, mm-hmm. but when I talk to clients, like they don't ask me to whiteboard.
0: <laughs> right. It,
1: it, it's in, in, in the contracting and freelancing world. That's stupid. Like you don't do that. Like you, you sit down you talk about what are the requirements? Like what do they want to do? And you show them like what you can do and then eat like either party decide whether there's something's going to work. right? Which I feel like getting a real job should be like that too. Like you should sit down and talk about what you want, what the other side want and hash it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, you know, can I take this and apply it to like different companies and just go and tell them that, yo, this is stupid. Like whiteboarding is stupid. What you should do is (laughs) (laughs) uh, come up with a project that you actually want this person to do and maybe start the conversation from there rather than Mm -hmm. some abstract algorithm concepts um no like i can't i i just don't i part of it is i'm too practical a person to take on the system like that right i right. i i rather win small victories
0: <laughs> i feel like that a lot too yeah
1: yeah then go and tackle this big problem which uh from time to time i'm like am i just chickening out am i just taking the easy path <laughs> yeah
0: well spe- it's a big problem though right um I have seen more recently a lot of calls for like stop with the technical interviews. Stop sitting people down or stop calling people, you know, an interviewee into a room and making them write code on the whiteboard. Like just don't, right. don't yeah. do that. Um, because there, I mean, there are a couple of reasons for it. One, I mean, I don't know about the Android world because I'm, you know, I'm more on the iOS Mac side of development, mm-hmm. but like You Google a lot. Right. Yes, you do. Half of your job is sitting down with a search engine and figuring things out. It's not your ability to write code on a whiteboard. It's your ability to think through a problem and find different solutions and decide what the best solution is. Like that, to me, is what programming is.
1: Yeah, it's a very delicate skill to be able to read multiple Stack Overflow threads and decide which one is the most likely that it's going to work. (laughs) Curse you Stack (laughs) Overflow. And I mean I am not even kidding about it. Like I actually mm-hmm. doubled in iOS a little bit and not having the vocabulary to plug into the search engine was so painful. Right. right? Like I was trying to rotate an image. So I typed rotate image iOS and then Google was like, Oh, download these apps. So I'm like, No, like <laughs> programmatically. So I typed programmatically and then it still doesn't work. And uh, two weeks later I I Enough iOS to know that you have to type UI image.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, if you put that in, then everything will turn into actual code rather than, oh, download this app. Right, the Uh, layman's. Right, Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, knowing how to seek knowledge is more important than what is already in your head, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know, people are nervous. I'd be nervous if someone was like, write code on a whiteboard.
1: No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I I actually have this cuff. Well, I never actually need to do that. But I was like, you know, if any time I need to actually get a job and they ask me to do that, I was just like, look, if you're hiring me for an Android position, give me 45 minutes. Give me an app to write. I'll write it right mm-hmm. in front of you. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is the best way to gauge my skills, not go to the whiteboard and right. implement this traffic-like algorithm or some other random thing, right? Exactly. Uh, so I mean i don't I don't I don't know like if talking about this is going to change anything, I don't actually know whether people who are actually hiring care enough to change the system uh, but again, you know that's that's it's basically I just think about, oh, I should change the system and then go <laughs> back to my small victories like that's all I do <laughs>
0: um well, I kind of do that too. Um, you know, I look at people who are doing big, big things in the diversity space. And then I look at kind of what I'm doing and I don't think there's a right way. Like I think about it a lot. You know, I look at um, people like Zoe Quinn and Anita Sarkeesian and Brianna Wu who um, are, you know, like women who are trying to enact big change. And I'm trying to to help people think differently including myself like mm-hmm. the way i think has changed a lot in the year and a half i've been doing this show mm-hmm. so changing the way that people think individuals think and then you know doing things like um you know uh, i'm bringing a coding camp to phoenix this summer hopefully um, if we get 12 12 people enrolled um, mm-hmm. you know and doing things like that so the like I'm, I'm trying to do things on a smaller scale, but right. I, my hope is that it's going to hit more people. You know, I'm using, I, I have an audience. I have people who listen to the show. I'm helping them look at things differently. And I'm hoping that that'll kind of have a, um, gosh, a ripple effect. Right. And um, I don't I don't think that that's wrong, you know? Yeah. I, and I look at people who are like trying to change the system and that's great for them, but that's that's not me. That's not how I think about things. And so I think it's up to you. And I don't think it's wrong or right, whichever way you choose to go.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think about it that much, like I said. So basically what I have decided that the way I'm going to help make the situation better is tell people how I do what I do, Mm -hmm. essentially. And what I do is uh, (laughs) this is a phrase that I came up with. It sounds a little bit crazy, but basically bad as well, female. (laughs) (laughs) like i just put myself out there and say look i am an android developer i know what i'm doing and therefore also by the way i'm female and i'm chinese and therefore you should really start thinking about your assumptions about who a developer can be
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which in a way it's like well it's a very small thing i'm just showing like one example i mean this is me and yes I am female and I am not white, and yes, I am a developer. Like that's all I'm doing, right? So that's kind of like step one, <laughs> and then step two is like, okay, now I kind of figure out how to be visible, and now I go and tell other people, hey, if you if you are interested in being visible, these are what you can do. Like, right? which is why we have the public, um, technically speaking, newsletter. So if you're interested in speaking, this is how you can get started. Um, I do want to acknowledge that not everybody is comfortable being visible for various mm-hmm. reasons um th- so which is why i phrase it at like this is what i what works for me and i want to make sure that if you want to do it
0: i help you do it um i think that's awesome
1: and so far i've been working really well in in, in terms of like i can see the change i mean i don't know how much ripple effect i'm causing but My hope is that, okay, I am on stage. I am seen by, I don't know, 30 people in the room and maybe 200 people on the internet per talk, right? And the the numbers just keep getting bigger and bigger. And then I help 10 people do that, right? And then that changed a little bit of the little needle on someone's head that's assuming that, oh, yeah, well, you know, tech, of course, you know, only white guys can do it to be a little bit more, oh, okay, I guess that's not true. And I mean, I have had people come up to me like after conferences. Like I remember when I was speaking in London, there was this student that come up to me and say, I'm just so glad to see you speak because it tells me that this is possible. Like It is possible to be female and be in the tech industry and be seen as someone who knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I am assuming that every person that tells me there is twenty more that didn't tell me. Right. Like not everybody <laughs> vocalized their thoughts. Right. right? So it's it's hard to measure what I'm doing, but I'm hoping that this is actually making a difference. Um. So that that is what I do, and like I'm not really leading a revolution or anything big like that. But I'm hoping that one thing at a time. Right. Like the other things I do is if I go to a conference and someone come up to me and ask me, "Oh, hey, are you a recruiter?" I said no. Why? There is no good answer to that. Like, why do you think I'm a recruiter? And you know, like, kind of bit by bit, I'm hoping that this will change a little bit of what people think, and then that will change further of what people how they interact with people. So that that's what I do. Is uh, I'm I'm like one thing that's really visible is that I am definitely seeing more women in Android speaking good because I'm like (laughs) pinging them all the time Say, are you submitting why are you not submitting (laughs) and then they're like I have nothing to say oh that is so not true I'll spend half an hour with you and then I guarantee you by the end of it you will have something to submit um, so like, I definitely, it's on a small scale, but I mean, the, the sad part is like, I am trying to meet every Android developer that's female on the planet. And I, I feel like I've met them already, which oh, is no. totally not true. <laughs> this is not possible. Uh, but like the ones that are putting themselves out there so that I can find them, mm-hmm. I feel like I've met a lot of them already. Um, so
0: yeah. Yeah. We need to get more so that that's an insurmountable task.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I, do, I do not want to be able to meet them all. <laughs> right.
0: So yeah. I'm actually really curious to know if. So one thing I've struggled with, and I, I've talked about this a lot lately. I think I've I've had a lot of people who are really into public speaking on the show lately. Um, is my desire to speak this year, and um, I have a couple of um, emails out and proposals uh, done. So I've actually taken action on that since I talked to Kate. Um hey. but but one thing that I struggle with, and it sounds like a lot of people struggle with is how do I pick a topic? Like, I don't feel like I have anything to say. And of course that's not true. I have unique mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings and perspectives and experiences and, right. um, you know, there's stuff in there, but do you have a strategy for helping people kind of uncover what's, what talk they might want to give or what maybe they're, um, they're passionate about that, that they think is normal. I think that's a thing like, oh, yeah, mm. everyone's interested in blah, blah, blah. And that's not true. So well, do you have a, have a strategy? Yeah. For me, the first thing is why do you want to speak
1: in the first place, right? So, for example, I want to speak because I want to be seen as an Android expert. Well, then talk about Android. <laughs> and and that's still a very big topic but at least like that's one starting point right mm-hmm. once you narrow down like to the world of everything i am i'm going to focus on android and then within android then you can figure out oh okay what do i do within this space and and just just start it the the best advice that i can give is find somebody else and talk with that person it doesn't even matter who but but not a cat like somebody could, could can actually reply mm-hmm. and, and like probe you further mm-hmm. um that that would be kind of the most generic advice i can give like figure out why you want to speak and then just talk it out loud with someone
0: well that's a starting point right which i think so is so do, than... do you
1: actually want to do this exercise right now <laughs> we can do that as an example oh lord okay
0: yeah we can
1: <laughs> yeah so why do you want to speak
0: um, okay. Why do I like to speak? I actually really enjoy public speaking, which is a thing that I, I don't think that most people do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, why do I want to speak? That's a really excellent question. and I don't know. <laughs> um, I right. think, um, well, let me give you a few multiple choices. Okay. Like, like one
1: is like, you want to be more visible. And we'll, we'll probe deeper, whatever that means, right? And the other, the other one is like you, you want to represent, right? Like you are a woman, you want to be on stage. That's part of the reason why I speak, mm-hmm. right? And then another reason is just like you want to go to conferences and you don't want to pay, so you want <laughs> to get in for a free ticket. Another reason is you want to travel, and again, same deal, right? Like uh, it's it's a good excuse to go see the rest of the world. Right. Right? I mean, I think
0: those are all true. You're
1: checking all the boxes. I'm checking all of them.
0: Um, I think for me, um, I think for me, what I'm realizing about myself is that I really like people, and this mm-hmm. is a startling revelation for me because I've always been like one of those, you know, like you grumpy. used to think that you are a people hater, <laughs> right? No, I did. I, I would look at people and I'd be like. Um, you know, and this is probably very revealing of my childhood too. Like people suck. People are Aww. the worst. Why <laughs> why would I want to interact with anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And um and I think that I'm I have more faith in people than I used to now and okay. I kind of want to go out and meet more people and um and kind of share um share things I've learned, not necessarily just about diversity, which you know right. I definitely have, but like I write some badass release notes. Ooh. You know <laughs> so I can I can go out That's and a teach people. Right there. <laughs> I can teach people how, you know, some some give people some takeaways on writing good release notes. And, right. you know, like I just have a lot of things, a lot of things I'm good at, a lot of things that again, I don't think about mm-hmm. that I can help people get better at.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, we already have one talk, topic right there. You just came up with that. I All I ask you <laughs> is why, right? I mean, this is why, this is why I say it's, it's, it's good to talk to somebody. Like sometimes there are thoughts in our head that before you vocalize them, you don't even know what they are. Mm-hmm. And by saying that out loud, they're like, hey, I'm actually really good at writing release notes and I should teach people how to do that. Well. <laughs> go do it. Um, right, and then the, the second step is like, you know, how long do you want to talk and where do you want to give this talk and kind of finding the conference. And then you can do this a little bit back and forth, right? Like once you kind of locate a few conferences, then you can go look at what other talks that people give at that conference and that may trigger something, right? So mm-hmm. maybe you went to a conference about DevOps. Well, not went to, I mean, go to the, their mm-hmm. website, right? And then you're like, oh, let me see what they had in the past years. And then you read through and then maybe find some speaker that's like, oh, wow, you know, their talk looks really interesting. I'll follow them on Twitter. And then, like, things just kind of build up from that one little seed. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think this release note can can, can evolve into five topics at least. Uh, that would be my, my hope. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, and then once you have those, then it's a matter of kind of Flipping, flipping a coin and then saying that okay, if I am coming to this event, which talk would I want to listen to? Mm, mm-hmm. but, and and then and then you 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 start developing that one talk a bit more. Um, I think that's that's one other thing which is important is like one half of the equation is you, but the other half is who are you talking to or who right. do you want to talk to? Um, which again, I mean, it could be very fun and center right it could be if if your goal to speaking is like i want to inspire girls in grade school so that they consider technical career as something viable well then you already have the audience first right and then you can of work backwards and then say oh okay well then what do i want to tell them um so it goes either both ways for most people i think the audience comes second
0: they come from you first Mm, i can see that
1: yeah so, yeah, and uh, traveling is also a very good goal, but then if you are if you' are going for that, then you go the other way, you go around and see what conferences Great. are in places that you want to speak at and and then see what topic they're looking for, and then you rever you reverse the process completely uh which which sometimes doesn't work. I have to kind of caution that because uh if you tailor too much to the conference uh to the point where it's not something that you are comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. then it doesn't work. So let me give you an example. I, for some reason, really wanted to, to speak at OSCON because it's uh, this—it's the O'Reilly Open Source Conference. It's really big. And somehow I got this notion in my head that if you spoke there, then you made it, whatever that means. Right? <laughs> um, so I went there, I looked at the previous talks, I looked at all the tracks, and then it's an open source conference. I... At that point in time, I thought I don't really do open source. Uh so I picked the geek track, uh, which is kind of anybody can submit to that and just talk and I submitted a proposal about I like how how did I become a independent or something, and it mm-hmm. got rejected, which is not surprising because I mean, if I read that proposal right now, it's actually not that compelling because I literally just came up with that because I wanted to speak at this conference. Um and then the next year, what happened was then I was like, hey, you know, even though I don't work on the open source part of Android, Android is still an open source project. I'm going to submit an Android topic because that's something that I do. Uh, that worked out a lot better. Like they are much more convinced that I will deliver a good talk, <laughs> right? Rather than like this generic topic that any Joe Schmo can propose, right? Um. So, so that's the word of caution. Like you also need to tie it back to who you are. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. But and then the other thing is just. Once you get rejected a few times, you get a much better sense of like how this whole thing works. Um, it's a part of the learning process. You will get rejected. And in fact, if you don't get rejected, that means you're not submitting enough. Oh. So, yes. Well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that means either you're not aiming high enough, right? Like you're like, oh, let me stay with this like, little uh, thing in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're just like numerically not submitting enough. Like you're like, I'm only submitting if I'm 100% sure. And by a hundred percent sure there are multiple factors there, it's like well, whether they will accept my talk, whether I will have the money to fly to the conference, whether I will have the time to do it, like no, don't think so hard, just just submit, <laughs> and people back out all the time It's fine right. um it's a it's a part of running a conference. I hope that my speakers won't back out from my conference, but I know that that's just how it works right if If you think about it right, if even if you are committed up to the last moment. Maybe the day before you fly out, there's some family emergency and you cannot, you just cannot go. Like life happens and conferences have to deal with that. So, like, even if your talk is submitted and then accepted, you can still, when When they ask you, say, hey, congratulations, you can still say, sorry, it doesn't work anymore. So again, give you an example, OSCON, like what I was talking about. Um, So usually big conferences like that, their submission deadline is a few months before um, the actual conference happens. And guess what? This year, OSCON is happening at the exact same days as Google I.O. Oh, no. Oh, no, right? So as an Android developer, I didn't submit. But if I submitted and my talk is accepted, I am not going because I'm not missing Google I.O. Like it is not acceptable for me to miss Google, I'll, right? <laughs> so and it's like there are factors outside of my control that will cause me to pull from a conference. So therefore, it's okay <laughs> even if the factor is just, oh, actually, you know what? I submitted to five conferences and they all accepted me and I cannot travel that many times and then you have to pick and choose. That's a perfectly valid reason because you don't know who will accept you, right? It's like college application. You don't apply to one single college. You apply to five of them, and then you choose. And sometimes, I mean, unlike college application, you can actually attend multiple conferences. But the same principle applies. Like, what if nobody accepted you? Then you are left with no college, which is a much more dire situation than you are left (laughs) with no conference to speak at. But the same principles apply. Like, you apply and then they accept and then you decide whether you go or not i'm, okay. I'm sure that like conference organizers hate me for yeah, saying I was that gonna say, you're not but, gonna be popular <laughs> but that's that's how the game is played right so it's uh i i feel like i i don't know again i mean for some reason i think women are more timid about that like about saying no, essentially, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this essentially, it sets you up to say no, right? Like your best case scenario, you are going to be saying no because (laughs) if you apply to more conferences than you can go, assuming that some of them will not accept you and then all of them accepted you, then you have to say no. It's a good situation to be in. Set yourself up that way rather than apply to one conference and then get rejected and wait for the next year i mean how many years in your life do you have like don't (laughs) wait um so like this is kind of
0: just general life advice just don't wait (laughs) we've we've gone from conference speaking to broader
1: yeah exactly uh so it's it's a lot of i feel like knowing that it's okay to do which is why we have the newsletter is hey you know what this is what other people do it's okay Um, it is also perfectly okay to submit more than one proposal to the same conference except. That don't submit ten, uh, submit two. <laughs> two, two, is for me the sweet spot. Like the the idea is that you let the conference organizers pick, right? Because sometimes you know, for example, Swift. Everybody wants to talk about Swift. Uh, if you submit one topic and it's about Swift, then it probably is not going to be get picked. So why don't you submit Swift and something else, uh, whatever that something else is, so that they have a choice, right? Rather than but putting essentially don't put all your eggs in the same basket. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. And as conference organizers, like like I said, ten is horrible, but two is is great. Like I I'd love to see two per person, just so that I can put together the schedule. I have more more knobs to tweak, essentially, right? Like right. I can I can I can decide on like how much in depth topic versus like beginner topic i can decide on how much i want people who have less experience versus more experience because surprise actually people with not a lot of experience have a lot to teach others as well because they remember yep. like that how painful it was and they will actually address the things that <laughs> that are important rather than if you right. have done it for a long time you forgot that oh yeah right you know if i don't set up this environment variable it's not going to compile because you set that five years ago <laughs> um right so it's uh it, it, it it's it's interesting this like, whole world of conference speaking where the speakers are kind of looked at as rock stars and in you know, the source of truth and things like that but it's not like that it's, it's more about people sharing what they have done mm-hmm. essentially and everybody has done something. <laughs> this is a yeah. pretty, pretty low bar, <laughs> right?
0: Do you reuse your talks? Um, I know a lot of people give the same talk like two or three or four times um, at different, different conferences. Is that something that you do or you advocate for?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the way I do it now, which a lot of other speakers do, is essentially I have one talk per year. Uh, so my talk this year right now is Espresso, which is an android testing framework i have given that talk five or six times already but like it's like once in new york once in texas once in no two times in california one time in japan so the audience is completely different right and it's perfectly fine and I my the way I put it is is think of it as like now go back to the rock star analogy if you wrote a song are you going to only play that once Like, no, you're going to take it on tour. You're going to show it to different people. (laughs) For years. Yeah, people can buy the CD or download the MP3 or whatever, which is the same as your talk is recorded and it's online. But it's not the same. A live performance is not the same as watching it on YouTube. Right. You go there not just to give a talk, but to interact with the people. People can ask you questions either at the end of the session or they can sit down with you at lunch. And like the talk is essentially it's just a starting point of you talking to other people. Right. So if you're in Japan, the people there are not going to be the same as the people in New York. And right. If you give it at a meetup, again, that is not going to be the same as giving it at a conference. There are conferences that want like talks that have never been given before. And usually they actually say that because I also know that other conferences that actually prefer if they have never worked with you before to know who you are and right. <laughs> that you can give a talk and they will prefer to actually get, for you to give a repeat performance that they have watched online already. Then they're like, Oh, okay. I know this is going to be good. Right. right. Um, So, definitely like that's way too much work if you want to give multiple talks per year there's a lot of time and effort and energy it's that you will be putting into so, a talk
0: even just like a 20 minute talk it takes so much time to put together yeah. and rehearse and refine and yeah actually
1: i find shorter talks taking longer to prepare um five minute talks for me like take way longer in terms of per minute preparation, mm-hmm. right? Um, because when I have 45 minutes, I have a lot of r- room for error, essentially, mm-hmm. right? If I don't explain a point well and I see the audience and they look confused, I can spend a little bit more time on that and then speed up some other part that may be uh, a little bit more introductory material. But when I have five minutes, I don't have any room to, to wiggle anything, right? Like I have one point to deliver and I deliver it. And that's right. it. And
0: um, Precise, you have to exactly. be precise. So,
1: I have given Igniter, which is um, five minutes. There are twenty slides. The slides auto advance every five minutes. I mean, sorry, every five minutes, every fifteen seconds. That I I rehearsed to the death of it. Like I just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. Like I know exactly. I timed it so that I know that within fifteen seconds I can give, I can say three sentences. I pick my sentences very very carefully, and I make sure that I can use that to my to to convey my point. Um, whereas I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't rehearse that much. Like, I mean, I may, I maybe do like a one, one run through for a 45 minute talk and that's it. Okay. Like that talk I gave, I maybe rehearsed like seven times, just on and on again and again and again. Um, so actually which just we just very counterintuitive like people i have this is very bad advice i have heard people like oh you want to get started speaking go talk at ignite i'm like no no
0: no, no this no. is
1: like really advanced level like you're not in control of your slides you're not in control of your time it, it like don't do that like if you want like do a show and tell that's for me the minimum level of speaking like you pick one thing that you have done and then you just talk about it, you don't necessarily even need to have slides or anything like that unstructured um you know you can talk for three minutes or ten minutes i mean it's not it's not that rigid um, but I definitely think that twenty minute i don't know twenty minute I've never given a twenty minute talk i I still think it's trickier to give twenty minute than to give. Um, third I think thirty to fifty is, is, is the point where I'm comfortable with. I feel like twenty that's like barely enough time to establish what we are trying to do. Yeah, it's quick. And then yeah, and you can't really get into much detail. And my style right now, I mean maybe I should challenge myself and change that, is like I give you code. So I just like I don't waste time introducing myself. I, I literally say, My name is Chuki Chen and today we are talking about espresso. And the next slide is like code. <laughs> Uh, that's it i mean i, I don't want to waste people's time. Like, so, and i'm an android developer and i like work with these clients i'm like who cares right <laughs> they're here to h- listen to the topic not who i am i already wrote a bio so just go read my bio um
0: oh so. and that's the worst writing i had to write a bio last night and i was like this is the worst thing ever i never well, want to do that is again once you've
1: written it once then it's, <laughs> it's, it's <done>. there. <laughs> unless you change dramatically <laughs> then you're not going to write new bios every time that's true Though I do actually write bios, um, I have two versions of my bio. One is for Android conferences and one is for general conferences. Mm-hmm. Because the Android conference, like I establish my um, cred- credentials very differently. right? I can throw in Android keywords and, and people will understand that, right. oh, she has done Android since like before Cupcake. Wow, that's amazing. Whereas if I, I'm applying to a general conference, nobody knows what's Cupcake. So right. like, I'm not going to name drop. Um, <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Like I do have two versions, um, but... And you know, I've, I, I've been speaking for like three years now. So, like, like I said, you know, now my bio says um, essentially Android developer with too many side projects. Like that's <laughs> that's my tagline now, which didn't wasn't like that before because I did not have too many side projects back then.
0: Yeah, and then you started technically speaking and YouTube channels and right. I think mentoring people and.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, and I also run a lot of events. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm one of the organizers in the local GDG chapter in Boulder. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we're we're doing a lightning talks um on Saturday, which is uh, to celebrate International Women's Day. Nice. Uh, so that should be fun. Like I'm basically giving a platform for people to get started and it's a five minute talk but not
0: like it's <laughs> not with 15 seconds yeah <laughs> right
1: and, and i do give them a lot of mentorings so i look just to say one thing you know five minutes actually really short you think it's really long but it's not really long um so um last year was really fun we have a lot of people come and watch the talks and just very high energy in general so i'm hoping that saturday will be also a very fun event um, but yeah you know
0: organizing things that takes time yeah. yeah yeah i remember when i had free time it was nice <laughs> i mean it was yeah. it was nice and now i'm like oh yeah what I,
1: I've, am I, doing? I noticed that recently that Basically, what I'm giving up is reading. Uh, I yeah. used to read a lot more. And now I just spend my time editing videos. Yeah. And, like, emailing people. Say, like, hey, you know, you're giving a talk on Saturday. Where are your slides? Um, and things like that. Which I, I want to read like, a bit more again. Which I'm trying to learn to delegate. Like, I try to have some of the the organizing and stuff and try to have other people do it rather than always me doing it Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like I have figured out kind of how this works and I'd rather have somebody else well i mean that's kind of the general theme is like i can't figure out how it is it like to break into the, the the speaking scene and how to be visible on twitter and things like that now i want other people to do it mm-hmm. um, because if it's just me like there's so much i can do um so even like organizing event i tried to hand it over to somebody else and say hey can you help me with this particular event um just cut one thing at a time we'll see how that goes i'm not very good at delegating that's it's something hard. i'm learning it's yeah. hard yeah um so I'm not quite sure how to do it, but my my philosophy is always just try, and if it doesn't work, I'd stop doing it or change and see like if it works better. Um. So yeah, we'll see. Well, good
0: luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. So we're eh, not quite at an hour yet, but was there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Um. No, I think we. I think it would be very dangerous to start a new topic uh, because this is how I run over on
1: my YouTube channel all the time.
0: <laughs> well, we're alive. Like, oh, i I have, have ten <laughs> minutes.
1: Let's talk about something. Oops, ten minutes later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so let's keep it I short. totally and understand. Well, thank you for coming on and, and talking about um, everything. Like, <laughs> I, I personally got a lot out of this conversation. So thank you so much for that. Oh, um, you're welcome. Chuki, where can people find you online? The best place is Twitter. My Twitter handle is Chuki, C-H-I-U-K-I. And you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to relay.fm forward slash LTOE and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review or star rating on iTunes because that helps people find the show and know that the show is pretty good most of the time. No, it's always good. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal.